Warning, the following podcast may contain language that some listeners may find offensive or confusing or intriguing. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the 3v3 podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. What qualifies as new blood in a front office of, of an NHL team? Is the fact that you've got Barry Trotz, who's um, pretty much a hockey man, Danny Briere, who was a hockey man in waiting for some time, decide to get creative and do um, what I'm going to call make definitive decisions to do things. And it's like, wow, we can take a page out of the NBA's book and actually make player transactions and not try to repeat the our sins of the past over and over again. Hello, Brandon Shanahan. So so I have, I have a question. My hand is up. I have a question. Yes, Cassie, please. Uh, at, at what point, where's the fine line between hockey player and hockey man? Now, I know we use the term hockey man in... In reference to the people who have control over teams, player transactions and such, but with so many hockey players, former hockey players ending up as hockey men, is there really that much of a difference between the two outside of who's telling who what to do? Can, can I follow up your question with another question? Sure. Is Wayne Gretzky a hockey man? Yes. I say yes because he was a head coach. See, I lean towards no because he didn't try to do it over and over and over again. He gave it a shot, but he didn't um, live and die by the sword. Just to throw a different metaphor out there. Mm Mm-hmm. We, we, we need it. We need someone to rule on the definition of a hockey man. I think we could find 200 individuals who would give us an answer and there'd be no agreement. There'd be 200 different answers. <laughs> anyway, sorry. You're, you're talking about GMs GMing. Yes. Actually making decisions and making changes. Like, quote unquote, hard decisions, um, which don't really seem all that difficult in retrospect, especially since it's not my money they're spending or not spending. Last week, we didn't touch on one Oliver Ekman Larson getting bought out in Vancouver. Now, Philly and Nashville are both eating or potentially eating salaries of guys they just went off their rosters for various reasons. And it's like, wow, you have all these tools available to you. And it seems like the best work you can do on the job is like your first 90 days during that um, interim or evaluation period. Heck, Barry Trotz isn't even the GM technically, but he is. Let's be honest. Before you get your hand slapped for actually taking initiative and... 
and being assertive and making um, other people's jobs harder, making decisions, making the other hockey men's jobs more difficult, making them look bad because you're actually like doing your job. You Mm -hmm. have a window of opportunity and that window exists once your team is out of the playoffs until just before the draft as a new GM. Because anything you do after the draft, you are perceived as risking the stability of the room. Mm -hmm. And, And not having that player be available for training camp Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, 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 am, I agree with what you're saying from the 200 hockey men's perspective as not a man nor a hockey man. Um, I, I would just like to say that that doesn't hold water when they make trades in the middle of the season, but you know, Oh, but those are trades to improve their team's chances at the playoffs and they have to make sure that the person is a right fit in the room, Cassie. But do they really? (laughs) No, but you hear them say all of that. Mm -hmm. Keeping the room stability in the room. Okay. I mean, the theory, the concept makes sense as a, Someone who has direct reports at my job. Again, you want to keep the working situation good. You want to keep a team of people who are all, quote unquote, pulling in the same direction, blah, 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 blah. Fill out your cliche uh, Mad Libs card here. (laughs) So my question is... Craig Conroy clearly doesn't have a handbook for how to do the first 90 days of his job. So what the heck's he going to do? Because clearly there seems to be acrimony. There's a sense of wanting to, quote unquote, go back to my home country for certain players. And there just seems to be some clicks up in Calgary. He doesn't have a playbook for this. So why is he using the inaction playbook that everyone else gets? <clears throat> Whoops. Thought I was muted. Um, the mass exodus from Calgary has been interesting because you can't pin it on one thing. I mean, how many players ever say they're loyal to the general manager? Right. Well, they mm-hmm. shouldn't, but no, nobody does. That's well. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Cassie is like, you know, do you really think that you know there's any loyalty to the general manager? I get there could be loyalty to a coach, especially if if said player had won a Stanley Cup with said coach and believed in said coach, and there was a good rapport and relationship there. And I I, I can get that. You know, a player would be disappointed, but it's 
like everyone has got their own reasons for wanting out of there. It's like Calgary and Winnipeg have just decided that nobody wants to be there for no one specific reason. So how do you fix that? You clean house. Which is exit poll? (laughs) Conduct exit interviews. Yeah. It's like, like, okay, so you're leaving. Why are you leaving? Give me the honest answer and then I can like fix the team. (laughs) We're not going to stop you from leaving. We just want to know why you're leaving. Right. Okay. Um, I just, I don't know. It's like nobody wants to play there. And I'm I'm sick and tired of hearing, oh, the Canadian taxes are horrible. Give me a break. I get it. They're paid in U.S. dollars, so they're already getting a bonus. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you do the conversion, a good portion of your tax liability is taken up. Yeah, I get it. You should be making more money. I'm not disagreeing with you there, but stop saying it's the taxes. They always get their money, whoever they is, whether it's provincial, city, federal, they always get their money in one way or another. Exactly. I'm guessing half these Canadian teams see exoduses because um, the teams stink. They either rode something that was working longer than they should have. They didn't read the tea leaves. Or an Aquilini runs the team. I mean, (laughs) it it could be any number of issues, sort of like to Patrick's point. (laughs) It's not always just one thing. But in other cases, it is very much just one thing. I mean, it could be also the just the overarching fact that no Canadian team has won a Stanley Cup since 1993. And they want to win a cup. And they don't think they can do it in Canada, so they decide to leave. For whatever reason that may be, however they rationalize that, it just might be that. I'm just... I'm. I'm perplexed at how fast Winnipeg and Calgary have imploded. And given what's been happening in the news recently, that was probably an interesting word choice for me. Um, (laughs) More ways than one. um, I'm not being subversive. Um, Okay. Growing away. Mm -hmm. I know growing away. Um, because uh, boy there was there was like literally a one year window that Winnipeg was heralded as their best opportunity to win Canada's best opportunity to win a Stanley Cup and that didn't happen and then the next thing you know the whole thing just went poof and Calgary you know Calgary had that one great season, and man, they looked like they were going to take off on a tear, and they could have been the one, and poof, two years later, it's all done and dusted. Mm-hmm. It's amazing the downfall of these teams, especially when people are also complimenting, you know, how deep they are and made smart moves, and, you know, they've got young players in the pipeline that are contributing, and 
where did all of that go? Okay, Let, let's key in on the smart moves concept, specifically with Calgary first. They made good moves, but they were reactionary. Two players wanted to leave, so they 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 did the best they could under circumstances. Whereas you could say Florida followed the recipe of both those teams, had a really great year, something went wrong. And I would say this past postseason, they saw something in between. Uh, we found a good course correct, uh, correction and we got hot at the right time. They're somewhere in between that spectrum. Well, Vegas was the same way, right? They they kept being right there, right there, right there, and then they figured out what their problem was. Mm-hmm. They were missing. They, they that, attempted that one big center. Yeah. They they tweaked in certain areas to see. Okay, and listening to the Stanley Cup final, like post victory dance interviews, it seems like. They tended to have a philosophy of they needed the number one center, they needed a dynamic, high-talent winger, and they needed a number one defenseman. And they built a foundation like underneath those spots until they could fill them. Easier said than done. Very much so, but you go to that point, you look at the history of mm-hmm. cup winners and guess what they all pretty much have? <laughs> those three components. Exactly. And you get a good goaltender. It doesn't have to be a world beater. But, you know. And here's, here's what we can say about both Calgary and what we can say about Winnipeg, even dating back to, say, 2017, 2018, 2019, when they were at the peak of their powers. Hello, Dustin Bufflin. Who were the number one centers on those teams? Who are the number one defensemen on those teams? Yeah. They don't really fit the archetypes of Jack Eichel is clearly the best name I could I could throw in as a comparison. Mark Stone, or really you could say Jonathan Marsh or so, but really Mark Stone. Okay, they had that piece. Mark Giordano. Josh Morrissey, even Bufflin, th- those aren't the Petrangelos, your Kel McCars, your uh, Nick Lidstrom's. Eric, really good players, but to do something a little special. Go ahead. Eric Carlson in his day. In his day, who they might have needed uh, a number one center to get them over the mm-hmm. edge. Back in 2017. Yeah, Spezza was good, but Spezza was not that. He was not that player anymore. Exactly. He he had his window where that's who he was, but he's not there. So you mean so what you're saying is that they didn't the GMs of these teams didn't think about the types of players that they needed or wanted. They just got players that they liked or the best available. And see, I think you're not far off. They, yeah. I think this is a case of they don't know what they, they're missing in some cases because they believe by some reason that 
the the you know there's there's a few ways this goes there's their belief is by some manner the aggregation of multiple players can equal that one player and that by having that distribution you're actually making a better team in the regular season exactly um the other side is sometimes sometimes they have draftitis, right? I, I'm looking at you, San Jose. Don't go what you need. Just go get the best player out there, and we'll figure it out later. Turns out having two Eric Carlsons on the same team really wasn't beneficial to anyone. There is only one puck. Despite our pleas and our notes and our proposals, we send the head office for a multi-puck all-star game. Blurns ball. Crazy. Let's go full Calvin ball. We changed the rules. Can never have the same rule twice. We need, they, they need to, they need to adopt a three on three rush in, in, in NHL uh, video games with the money puck. Okay. Yeah. You know, where uh oh, it's the it's the it's the bright blue puck. That means if you score, you know, that team your team gains a goal and the other team loses a goal. Uh oh, here's the three goal puck. <laughs> Chaos. Yeah. But <clears throat> going back to sort of the the whole um uh damaging the room concept. I finished watching the uh, Quest for the Cup because they decided to go ahead and, you know, hold off an entire extra week just for the one game and the fallout afterwards of that game. And boy, howdy, does our hot dog loving young man get a lot of attention from his teammates. In that in that jovial, kidding around, you know, great guy loves the game, tries hard. It was exactly what you saw. Making he's in there cracking jokes, keeping the room, you know, everyone loose, and and you know, Jack Eichel grabs what are the what are the cameras are using to film and goes in and tries to do an interview with them, asks him for hot dog recipes and. I was I just about lost it when Jack was asking him for his favorite spicy hot dog recipe because I'm like, okay, if you ever want to know if these guys pay attention to that crap, right there shows you that they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never quite buy the fact that when when players sit there and say, "Oh, I try not to pay attention to what's in the press," I'm like, well, you don't have to. Everyone will tell you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, but to see Jack Eichel kind of being that way and understanding the joke and Phil understanding the joke, you know, those are those, those uh, this sounds really cliched and, and horrible, but those are the kind of things in the room that sort of, you know, bring everyone together. And mm-hmm. I, you can't discount and you've brought it up before, Cassie, you can't discount a happy work environment. Right. It's, you know, inside jokes are like the best thing to bring people together, you know? 
just the way it and is. And the happy environment is the best place to bring those right. out. Mm-hmm. I I doubt for a second they were happening during Phil's time in Arizona. I'm I'm right. Like there might be the occasional, but y- you get the um, the twenty four seven Phil chuckle at it every once in a while, but <laughs> it, it it doesn't have the same effect. He's a goddamn national treasure, that man. Um, just leaning into his losing hair, too. Absolutely love it. Uh, but sort of going, bringing it back around to the not disrupting the room type thing. If you bring in, a, and the reason I'm, and I'm circling around on this one, is if you've got that sort of chemistry in the room, you know, there's going to be clicks. Not everyone gets along with everyone else. Not everybody's interested in yeah. doing the same things as everyone else. That's why you have professionalism right. within the room. Yeah. And, you know, don't leave it at the door type thing. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's why I do not, for the life of me, understand what the hell LA Kings are thinking about bringing Pierre-Luc Dubois into their environment. They're, they're kind of Boston, Boston West to a certain degree. There's a stable culture there. There's kind of a, a, um, I don't want to, well, I guess I'll say a little bit more modern youth geared thinking, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. that, it's that kind of, well, you know, that's, you know, we're a little more progressive. We kind of don't do this. We kind of don't do that. And you're bringing in, I don't care that he has multiple 60 point seasons. You're bringing in a guy who is bailed off of two different teams because he didn't because he didn't get what he right. wanted somehow whatever that want was and to this day again you know I've brought it up before nobody knows the reason he wanted out of Columbus everyone suspects it's Tortorella and he's kind of vehemently denied it it's that and now he wants out of Winnipeg because it's not Montreal or something you know somebody somebody posted today what's the over under on the number of years before he wants out of LA and I said years I said I'm going under 1 Right, because he still wants Montreal. That's going to be like the feather in the cap for him, at least in his. If he's already sitting there saying it out loud, saying the quiet part out loud, that's that's what he really wants. Going to LA will be a, would be a nice second choice, but that's still not going to like erase the fact that he wants to go to Montreal. He may want to go to Montreal, but very few people have been asking the other question. We talked about it last week. Does Montreal want him? Exactly. No. And because these LA Kings rumors are starting to pop up all over the place today, I think the answer is no. And even throwing that aspect of his game away, what the hell do they need him for? Precisely. He is not... We can agree that Anze Kopitar isn't the number one center to win you the cup. No. But he's a damn good number two or number three. Well, he's your Patrice Bergeron. That's why I kind of say they're Boston, they're Boston West. You know, is Mm -hmm. Patrice Bergeron a high scoring number one center at this point in his career? No. What is he? An unbelievable leader, a guy, you know, 
uh, I, and I hate saying that because it sounds cliched, but he is, you know, a guy who understands it, a guy who gets it, a guy who plays a solid game. I mean, it, it's the parallels between the two are, you know, amazing. So he can be your number one center, but he doesn't have to be your number one center. Mm-hmm. He can be first line center. He doesn't have to be your number exactly. One and and as yeah. much as we all adore Philip Deneau, he's not your scoring guy either. But no, he he is your he's your Chandler Stevenson. He is your great parallel. <sighs> yeah, he is your Chandler. He, I mean, Stevenson. he really is. He he he's he can move up and down the lineup. He can play different roles, but when push comes to shove, he has this one specialty, one to alleviate the burden of your one C. But also, he's going to make life hell for the other team. So, your this move this move potentially signals to me they're not confident in Byfield being able to play center which I don't get. I think it depends it's on this extension. I think it's another best available player situation. Rather than to need. Or are they trying yes. to expedite things so they don't have to wait for Byfield to grow into the role? That's the only thing I can see. I, I, I think it's that ladder. Like I don't think they're trading away Byfield as part. No, of this. no, I don't. No, the if the rumors, if the rumors, Gabe Velarde, on the other hand, how do you? We'll you, see. And that's what I don't get, right? If the if the names that are in mm-hmm. return out there, well, you've basically lost two players to get one who does a little bit of what the other two do. You know, I have follows getting older, sure, but Velarde is hellaciously young. He's yes, and had a pretty decent season. And boy, howdy, wouldn't he look good hanging out up there on a Kopitar line? You know, being the little, you know, um, little speed demon that kind of runs around and causes chaos for everything. I, I just, I sim, I just, I am so befuzzled. So before. Unless they think that, I mean, unless it's a, we'll get him now and see if we can dangle him at the draft or this summer for a different trade. Get him for a season, see what happens. If it doesn't work, bounce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If there were no <laughs> extension in place for Dubois and the Kings got him, I'm yeah. on board. They are trying something. Yeah, that's... But the, but not, but no. not blocking the way of Byfield who needs to grow into the role, not blocking the way of Velarde on that team. Yeah, probably Velarde. Um, because honestly, I the way this team lines up, I would bump PLD to the wing, and that's what I was wondering. And you know, then you're then like, you're... would you put a player like that with Byfield? Knowing that, insulate him with a younger, more versatile player rather than a kid fly. Are you really trying to make... like? Are you trying to like set it up so so he wants out after that's, a year? And see, that's just it. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I don't know enough about him 
other than what he has demonstrated that leads me, you know, I can only go by what is, by what is known about him. Public. I, I can't, if I were to try and dig into his brain, I don't know if he's happy playing wings. I can't imagine he would be. I can't imagine most players don't like being changed. The position changed on them because you know, they've gotten accustomed to that. You know, hockey players are creatures of habit, right? Mm-hmm. All athletes are. And um, some of those habits can be very rigid and they don't have a lot of flexibility in them. And so if you're used to playing a certain position and in your mind, that is who you are, your identity is I am center, I'm an NHL center, and they move you to wing, then you're going to hate it. Then explain Brent Burns... And explain Dustin Bufflin. They both have the mental flexibility to give it a go. Sergey Fedorov. Same. Sammy Kavanaugh. Same. Same. They're not we rigidly, need more of those. Yeah, they're not rigidly stuck and in here's the, the role other one that up. they've always been given. Steven Stamkos. They... I think with Stamkos... He understood the writing on the wall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he needed to for injury right. reasons. And my thing with... There's there's a couple of sides to it. One is they identify with it. The other is they, they're... To your point with the, with the flexibility is they're so rigid in understanding their quote-unquote role and where they need to be positionally that taking them out of that... Um, it's it's just too much for them to handle and if mm-hmm. you acquiesce to dubois playing center now your fourth line center is quentin byfield does that do him any good no okay so what do we do with him or do we keep him on the wing do they and then you or do they keep him on the wing and you just let him, him. build up his offensive offensive side a little more with fewer responsibilities before shifting him back so sheltering him, giving him some sheltered minutes. Well, they had him on wing, or maybe get, or giving him top six minutes with Kopitar, or which Janelle. is kind of what they did. And you, you have to be mixed results. Would you say yeah. so far? And I think that goes back to, um, he has been trained for so long positionally to be one thing, to understand that one role, to understand where that role needs to play and perform on the ice that taking them out of that is an adjustment period. And if you get them adjusted, you have to, you have to suffer through the adjustment period, however long that takes. Mm -hmm. And by the time they become adjusted, you also have to understand that you have now invested all that time getting them there. Now we want to move them back. Well, guess what? There's a readjustment period. You know, it may come a little more natural because mm-hmm. it's more ingrained, but uh, you know. Let's assume you can get them adjusted because they may just they they may just pull that that major league uh, pitcher scenario where they refuse. They just refuse to get adjusted because they don't want to play there. And kind of what? And at a, I was gonna say, also at a certain point, he needs to play a full season. He hasn't played a full season since 2019. Yeah. 
And that was junior hockey. Yeah. You know, that's... He and Shane Wright are going to be unbelievably interesting this year. Well, to that same point, if we stick on the L.A. story, does this mean the Kings are ready to give time and minutes to either Brant Clark or Jordan Spence on defense, given that they just they only have four defensemen signed now that Sean Dursey is gone? Which is another move I just... What are they doing? <laughs> they don't know. If you don't know, then they probably don't know. <laughs> I... Because, you know, hockey is sports. Sports in general are not difficult to figure out. And which is... Which has always, like, made me laugh whenever play, or coaches and don't like sharing their lineups before the game. Cause it's like, dude, really? You think the other team is actually going to match up with the players you put in your lineup? Heck no. The coach is just going to do what the coach wants to do and not think about your team. So why the heck are you even trying to hide anything? But that's beside the oh, point. Unless so, you're Mike Babcock, then it is 100% about line matching. Well, yeah. Well, maybe, to, but, to his own detriment. I didn't, I didn't. But you know, it's, <laughs> I, uh, oh, qualifier, I'm finishing your sentence <laughs> for me. But sports are not complicated. This is not rocket science. We are not talking about the higher echelons of physics equations going on here. Most of it's fairly transparent. We all know the rules. We all, you know, GMs have been like, so, you know, shuffled around that we all know what the GMs are going to do. We all know what the players are going to do. It's not like this is going to be some big, wild surprise because everybody is dreadfully predictable, or almost everybody. And so if you don't know what they're doing, then they probably don't know what they're doing because we would be able to figure it out again because it's not like rocket science. It's not complicated. I think so. I think so. So rocket science coaching so let me bring goaltending into this conversation hey, hey, oh no that's just hey, voodoo so hey, nobody knows hey, anything about no that. witchcraft talk no <laughs> witchcraft talk <laughs> two years for aiden hill at just under five million overpay and everyone's hating it overpay Love it. Love his story. Love that they won. That's an overpay. That's that is basically striking while the iron is hot, and that team going. Uh huh. Thank you. I I'm going to. Yes, it's an I'm overpay. I'm going to call that his cup bonus. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Can we also say this is the Robin Leonard's not playing again? So we'll throw you a couple extra bones. Unfortunately, I think so. Think he's done? I think he's done. Um, if there were time to overpay a goalie, now is actually the perfect time. Where the cap stays relatively flat. I think I was having a conversation with, with this Aiden Hill extension which isn't official official yet 
I was having a conversation with a Vancouver fan who's actually level-headed and uh, almost an enigma, but not quite an enigma. It's amazing. Um, good perspective on things. Yes, he is being overpaid. I brought up the the Robin Leonard comparison because Leonard was making that same AAV, and I doubt Vegas would give it to two guys when Bruce Cassidy has a track record in both Boston, basically Boston and Vegas now, at least for a year. You can put any goalie in front of him. With his team, with his team defense, and that goalie is going to put up some decent numbers. Is it now a good time to give a no term? I think two years is ideal for a goalie, two to three max. I think anything under five is a win for anyone you're going to consider a 1A or 1B. Because let's be honest, if he plays more than 50 games next season, it's going to, we're going to see the Jacob Markstrom issues. But do it before the cap goes silly. Do it before anyone out there on the market is going to demand whatever Connor Hellebuck is going to demand, whatever maybe Corpusalo is going to demand. If we're looking at LA still. But will the cup ever go silly or cap ever go silly? Because, like, I'm starting to get the yes. feeling that they're not actually ever going to bounce up the cap ceiling. Uh, At least one not, day, for, not significantly. It it will only because one day Batman will not be commissioner uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, it is also my understanding, and I need to go back and I need to go back and look again. But it's my understanding there is a, um, a limit on how much it can go up anyway. Right. Uh, there is. I, I'm pretty sure you're so right. So there's while there is no minimum, there is a maximum. So there's no way it can go silly, silly. You know, when everyone was talking about, oh, you know, it could go up as much as $10 million, you know, in next season. I don't think it can. I think it's capped. I think it's maxed out at like 5%. Because for whatever reason, because I do not understand the world of accounting and bills payable and how the NHL chooses or doesn't choose to keep their books. But it's very dumb that we have to wait until a week before. Basically you're making financial decisions for your next fiscal year and you don't have those guidelines in place, but they're constantly recalculating things based on when money is coming in. Which seems kind of shady because, you know, most businesses have the next year mapped out financially, like six months ahead of the end of their fiscal year. (laughs) It should almost be like the cap should be based on money that actually came in and not say projections for next year's TV deals, both at the team and national level. Right. I think the national level, you're, you're in a pretty good place. U.S. local market deals, we just have no clue how many of those are going to get kiboshed. So to Patrick's point of having a cap so things don't get crazy silly, like say, oh, the Phoenix Coyotes move and there's now extra revenue coming in and it could cause, you know, an extra, let's say $2 to be thrown onto the cap. 
on top of what was supposed to grow maybe five or six million. You probably don't want that. You probably want to even that out year over year. Hmm. Okay, so it, it's a fifteen percent swing either way. It's a they they establish a midpoint a midpoint, and it can't go below go below eighty five percent of that or above one hundred and fifteen percent. So there's wiggle room for it to go up, but kind of not that mm-hmm. much. I mean, not in the numbers like people were talking about. So, yeah, the the fact that I think, coming back to Hill, the fact that I think that he basically got the Leonard contract is a pretty good indicator he's done. Robin Leonard. Um, mm-hmm. My question is going to gonna be, how fun is it for him or how fun is it going to be for everyone else to watch him sitting behind Logan Thompson, who's still making league men? Cause it's funny. Mm. Hill's only a year older than Thompson. Mm. <laughs> he just has a few more NHL yeah. games to his resume. If you call the San Jose Sharks games. Um, I, I consider them practices, <laughs> high high intensity practices. Okay. Yeah. Scrimmage? Scrimmages. So he was scrimmaging Scrimmage? against NHL teams or NHL players. Hmm. So <clears throat> and <sighs> Cap Friendly sent out a tweet yesterday after the after the Jersey trade that I, that I, I think slipped by a lot of people, because um, it noted in in the second sentence of the tweet that Sean Jersey was now going to be the highest paid defender on the roster for the Arizona Coyotes. Sean Jersey barely makes two million dollars. Let me say that again, <laughs> Sean Jersey is the highest paid defender on the Arizona Coyotes at $2 million. But who is the highest paid cap hit? Well, that's the funny thing, Cassie. John Dersey's $2 million is base salary. His cap hit is less. something. 1.7. Right, but that's what I'm saying is that how who in, in money laundering other trades, who has the biggest cap hit that isn't on their roster? Oh, it's Shea Weber, but not by much, amazingly enough. Actually, no, it's Voracek. Voracek's at eight. Voracek is at eight, but I'm I'm only talking about defensemen. Defenders, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Weber. By a mile. By an absolute country mile. I mean, he's lapping him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Except for in base salary. Except for in base salary, because Jersey is doubling up Shea Weber. One million base salary for the next three years. Mm. which is probably 85% insured, if I'm not mistaken. So the Coyotes are only on the hook for 15% of that in cash. 
kind of love the way that they just, you know, just wrangled and finagled and molded this system to their will like a freaking fresh tin of Play-Doh. I mean, Lou has to have some modicum of admiration for what they're doing. Some. Not much, but some. He doesn't like it, but he respects game, it. Game, respect, <laughs> game. Is that what you're saying? A little bit, yeah. I mean, dear God. 21 million of their 58 or 59 million is dead cap. Yep, I believe that. And their 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 trade, their uh, dra- not the trade, their 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 draft pick accumulation looks like freaking uh, geometric shapes, you know, based on the round. Because <laughs> you know, this year they've got one second rounder. Next year it's three. Next year, the year after that is four. This year they've got. Four third rounders. I mean, it's just like you've got, you know, you've got pyramids, you've got inverted triangles, you've got diamonds. I. That's. So it's the multiverse folded it, back on itself as a two dimensional <laughs> entity. <laughs> Pretty much. I, what the hell? Okay, this team needs, somebody needs to buy low on this. Move the franchise to Salt Lake City and just leverage the hell out of their next three years of drafts. Wow. Aren't they not better equipped than an expansion team at the moment? Other than their cap, I mean, their cap is pretty close to being zero, (laughs) but I would say as their cap is pretty close to being zero and there's no minimum that they really have to spend. And I am using air quotes <laughs> at the moment. They don't have to acquire just 67% of the available cap space in roster players. I would say as far as existing assets, I mean, Connor Geeky, Dylan Gunther, Maverick Lemaru. Plus, Connor or Clayton Keller's only 24. Clayton Keller's only 24. I think JJ Moser is a. He'll be interesting. Solid 3 4 defender. They have um, University of Minnesota, number 92, third overall draft pick last year. Logan Cooley, (laughs) who doesn't factor into those numbers yet because hasn't signed an NHL contract. Um, So, yes... They they are they're a little better positioned than an expansion team because they're also they've got 
some very talented players that are young already. They're not picking from, I don't want to say the carcasses, but you know, they're not, they're not picking from the B stock of the grocery store. Right. Mm-hmm. And sort of like, you know, looking at your egg eggs and going, well, these are, you know, grade a jumbos, but these are grade triple a jumbos. And, you know, I can't get any of those. I only have to get the grade a jumbos. Oh boy. Uh, ignore me. I went grocery shopping this morning and I'm just always amused by the whole grading system for eggs. <laughs> Clearly Danny Breer has similar thoughts because he's going out and doing stuff completely differently than both his predecessors and other GMs. Which is kind of funny that, that the, the three headed monster that was ruining running ruining Philadelphia prior is letting him get away with it. The Clark, um, not Fletcher, Holmgren, those three. Yeah. You know, it's like getting players who just no longer want to be there why are people why are these gms waiting in calgary's situation i understand because they have so many <laughs> but dumping Provorov now dumping hayes thank you for calling the general manager of the calgary flames due to a large volume of calls at this time we can your expected wait time is going to be four hours if you would like to remain on the call waiting to speak to the calgary flames gm press one Press two if you would like us to call back when he is available. I mean, I I see D Danny Briere in a boardroom right now with multiple Cisco phones, with with you know an AGM or two helping. Say hold, please. We'll get back to you in five minutes. <laughs> doing the whole doing the whole Moneyball thing. Like, <laughs> mm hmm. A little bit. Like, oh, they're actually trying to flip a player that they acquire in a trade. Oh, that doesn't work. Okay, let's just modify the details of said trade and find a good fit for this 30-year, 31-year-old center. Oh, this 27-year-old center who has term that, you know, 7.5% for a 2-3 defender. Oh, you want that? Oh, okay. Well, let me go talk to these other teams who desperately want it because I'm sure there isn't a former Calgary Flames GM out there who would overpay for something like that. <laughs> Craig, throw in a free Netflix <laughs> subscription. You got a deal. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. No, actually, I'm sorry. That, that would be a uh, Armstrong in Arizona. <laughs> so Pat, what, what the heck is the Carolina hurricanes doing then? Oh, they're galaxy braining some stuff if this Tony D'Angelo de deal comes to fruition. Or they, what or was they, which stall? Jordan signed? Stahl resigned. The captain, the one the head coach loves. Terminate V, whatever. It's he's designed to play three more years. He better be their fourth line setter, or as I say to people, I'm in private hubris is going to doom them they're not the winnipeg jets but they 
are very much on the way to being the next San Jose Sharks. Which brings me back to either Eric Tulski is a genius or he's just another hockey guy. Because for a long time, everyone was lauding him for his brilliant moves. And, you know, he was sort of the one doing this, that, and the other thing. And now, you know, whenever whenever a questionable move was made, it was Don Waddell. Whenever a great move was made, it was Tulski. Now you've got a questionable move for a guy which you kicked out the door and then decided you wanted back? Why do they want him back is mm-hmm. the is the $64,000 question. Mm-hmm. Wanting this player back at a term and a dollar figure that fits their number. So he's currently has one more year at $5 million. Cap hit. Just, you've already got Brent Burns. What do you need with a more disruptive, less talented Brent Burns. They need to replace Brett Pesci because they won't meet his contract demands. A player who switched agents just a scant few weeks before he's eligible to sign an extension. And as we saw since year one, if a player going into either last year of their contract or into restricted free agency doesn't want to meet the hurricanes, not demands, but archetype for this is the player we are. Here's where we think you slot in. They will trade them, which is an admirable idea. Like, okay, we believe in this philosophy. If something doesn't work, even with a player that we like, we will make a move. But man, it just feels like if they made a deal work with Dougie Hamilton, all this what would might have been unnecessary. Been? All of this would have been unnecessary. Now the Brent Birds deal worked out very well. Well, that's that's the one I'm saying. You know, people look at that and go, "Oh, Tulski's a you know Tulski's a genius because they." No, that was 100 percent right. a, a Waddell. And let's be honest, are you giving me a older aging player who needs to get off of a certain team who still plays and still plays well coming to a good defensively structured team for pennies? Okay. It makes a lot of sense. This isn't like they traded a bunch of assets for him, sort of like... What a team might have to trade for Travis Sanheim, a player in his 20s, perfectly respectable player, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, but you keep trying to go out there and replace something that you already had and let walk. And by doing these things, you're not actually addressing the issues that are, are afflicting you, basically. It's the, okay, I can't, we've got a good team, but this guy doesn't fit, so we're going to trade him, and then it's, you know, seller's remorse. Oh. Or it's, oh, we can buy low again. Right. And the thing is, you're still buying. (laughs) Right. Right. I don't care how little you pay. As far as we know. And you're buying something that you had once and didn't think it was of value. 
or worthwhile at the salary they're asking. So now you're going to, you're going to end up buying back and having to pay for retention so that this particular person fits into your salary structure. And that means giving up additional, I don't get it, giving up additional resources to have them retained so that you can acquire something you had and let walk. Mm-hmm. Which only makes sense if if you're in Meanwhile, one of these UFA situations where it's like, you know, okay, we're going to be a bad team this year, but this player doesn't want to leave, you know, the organization, but wants to try and win a cup. So go send them here. And everybody and their dog knows mm-hmm. that when the season's done, they're coming back. And meanwhile, what was the Hurricanes' problem the last three, four Forward years depth in the playoffs? Scoring. Forward talent. Scoring. Forward talent. Not defensive scoring. Forward talent. Mm-hmm. Because their structure allows them, when they have a lead, to play well. The problem is getting a lead in the playoffs is probably the most difficult thing. Because when you play the same team repeatedly, you can key in on certain things and drive them nuts. And given that the Carolina Hurricanes cannot make a goalie move to make a save with any regularity... means they are constantly going to struggle. Oh, so they're going to acquire a defenseman who puts up a lot of points, helps generate offense, but doesn't get the puck in the net necessarily. He didn't do any better or worse than Dougie Hamilton or Brent Burns did on the power play. How does this move help their forwards? It doesn't. Now, come August, if Tavo Teravainen is off this roster for, say, uh, Ivan Barbashev in a sign-and-trade, between now and next Saturday. Well, okay. You did some things a little different. Maybe we'll talk. Maybe this other ancillary move in getting um, a terrible human. Oh, wait. Tony D'Angelo. Not terrible human being. Wrong three letters. Um, mm-hmm. Same three letters. I like that the fact that the Hurricanes don't hold on and love every player that they draft or sign or bring up. And they make some hard decisions, but are they making the right ones? Are they doing the things that the Vegas Golden Knights did? Identify the key areas that put you over the top and satisfied those. You're assuming that a GM who can't identify a good draft pick uh, is going to be able to identify what they're lacking on their roster. Oh, wait, did I say that out loud again? (laughs) Darn it. You guys need to help. You guys need to stop me with that. I'll never tell a woman what to do. Are you kidding? <laughs> Sometimes we need it. So here's the question I have. Who's telling David Poyle and or Barry Trotz what to do? Barry Trotz. <laughs> because kudos to Barry Trotz then. For knowing just what you have to do to change this team to put him over the top. 
eventually. Because let's be honest, getting rid of one player isn't going to solve any of their problems overnight. But it does make their lives a little easier. I mean, if you're... If you're Carolina, how do you not go knocking on Calgary's door? Exactly. Or a Lindholm. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't do that. Further, if you're Calgary... You know you have to read. Oh, they they kind of have no no option at this point with everyone. Yeah, they. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's bailed. <laughs> everyone's bailed. Why aren't you calling? Well, that was going to be my next question. To say, a Lindholm in Nashville, depending upon his contract demands, like don't just replace the money that's walked out the door with new, more uh, expensive and shinier money. But the Lindholm back to Carolina thing is interesting because he could find a dynamic similar to what he had with Gaudreau and Kachuk. Because I think, by and large, Carolina's scoring comes from the wings. Doesn't Nashville kind of have the same archetype? You know, they have, when he's healthy, Philip Forsberg on the wing. It was really more centerish than anything, but but he he yeah. he doesn't play yeah. in the middle defensively. You've got money tied up, but they're young kids, kind of all on the wing. And really, now we get to see some of their young kids. Okay, they played well down in Milwaukee, or they played well in, in limited roles. Now there's space for them. What could happen? Could Cody Glass actually look like a full-time NHLer? Not having to sit behind both Duchesne and Johansson when they were both playing center, maybe not playing on the same line. Is there room for... I don't know. I, I was trying to find a center on Philadelphia's roster that wasn't Kevin Hayes. And there, yeah, the yeah. well is dry. Nobody knows what Morgan Frost is at this point, and that would probably be the only one that would be. And that was the first name I went to, but I was like, right, that's not the right fit. That, that, that's not, it, it's like, all right, let's trade your situation that might not be working out for this situation that's not working out. A la the PLD and uh, Patrick Which Line. Which comes to the next question that I have. If <clears throat> Which is when does... Wait, I, I think I know. When does Jeremy Roenick join the Columbus Blue Jackets front oh, office? Oh, no, he's going back <laughs> to Chicago at some point. Yeah. <sighs> Got to fill the void that Patrick Chicago. Sharp left behind. Yep. Sorry, did I say that out loud? <laughs> no, I'm... If you're Carolina, how do you not go knocking on Winnipeg's door? For Mark Shifley. 
or the other troubled child. If they go for a Lake Wheeler, if they go for a PLD, I have thought about the PLD connection in Carolina. Obviously, Columbus is kind of off the table. I don't think he's going to Montreal, period. I don't think Montreal has any desire. Mm -mm. Three years from now, I could see them acquiring via trade. But only if there's a lot of salary retained. Yeah. Doesn't he just feel like a Bo Horvat to the Islanders? A little trade? bit. It's just like, you're a good player. You're coming to a <clears throat> good <laughs> team. <laughs> and the Islanders are. But it's just like, do we need another center? Is this solving well, this problem? Or is the solution in Carolina, they put Aho and Kakaniemi together and Aho no longer plays center? And then they bring in the PLD, the Mark Shifley, the Elias Lindholm. Do they make a transition that way? Just saying. Just saying. But my bigger point is Nashville cleared enough cap space to make themselves intriguing. They have enough draft picks to make a deal with Calgary seem interesting to both parties. For example, Noah Hannafin in Nashville doesn't seem like a terrible idea, especially with the thought that, okay, Roman Yossi's there in perpetuity. Is Ryan McDonough. And they have the ability to launder money so they could eat on a McDonough deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To bring in yo- slightly younger talent. It's kind of filling some gaps. Until the their forward prospects start to gain and go. Furthermore, they could do it with UC Saros, too, if they really wanted to. Hmm. I want to see teams start targeting the talent that is NHL proven and bring them into their systems earlier rather than wait for what's happening in Calgary. What's by and large happening in Philadelphia. Yeah, because. And for God's sakes, don't go trying to find another Matthew Kachuk. It's like trying to find another Tom Wilson or another Milan Lucic. And after a year, there was no Milan Lucic's anymore. Oh, they'll try. This is this is the NHL after all. Copycat League, they'll try. Lou is still an NHL GM. He's always going to try the same things that never work. I understand. Because mm-hmm. three teams have basically announced that they're open for their carcasses to be picked off of, largely. Mm-hmm. And you should be swooping in trying to pick those carcasses. Mm-hmm. 
Because here's the other interesting dynamic in this is we've joked how Vegas doesn't have a prospect pool or young players slotted in to fill certain contract spots. Right? Now that they've won, they're going to have to start filling some spots on the cheap, especially when you re-sign a goalie. For a big number. You're going to let a player like Ivan Barbashev probably walk. Or at least I think they should let him walk. Even though he played well with Eichel. And played well with Marcia So. Let those players walk and, you know, you fill in the gaps other ways. I'm sure you could find a talented winger to play with Jack Eichel, who can succeed. How many RFAs or UFAs they have this year? They have 11 forwards signed currently for next season. They have two UFA forwards, three unrestricted forwards. They're locked on defense. And they are set on defense. Set and goal. And potentially. And they don't have a ton of names ready now, to make the to leap. to that point, I wonder, I wonder if they're going to Pittsburgh themselves. Because yes. they've got this, they've got this <laughs> over-the-top, extremely talented, number one, clear as a bell center. Do mm-hmm. Mark Donk and Buzz and Buzz Flibbits start making appearances in Vegas? I mean, get ready for names like Brendan Brendan Brisson, Marcus Kaliokalai, Jonas Rudnug, Sheldon Rempel. No, actually, he's too old. Stop reading well, all that's, the Penguins. That's kind of what I'm getting at, right? <laughs> Matthias Sapovalov, Jakob Brabnich. Sorry, everyone. Those are their those are their sub twenty five year old players in the minors, and I got a feeling that that tonight's going to be We're the gonna night. Start seeing them. It's a good good night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I hated that song. <laughs> <laughs> I had to use it in a, in a year-end video for my brother-in-law's varsity basketball team one year. And so, of course, because I was editing and doing it, I had to hear that song over and over and over again. That was like I was sick of it the first time. The hundredth time is just not making it any better. Because um, they're, you know, they're... they're they're sort of like that speedometer that only goes to 110 and just sits there and bounces as you're trying to do 120. You know, that's that's the Vegas Golden Knights with their salary cap. So they're going to have to find those guys, and I think they're just going to pull them up. And lordy, lordy, you throw them with Jack Eichel, next thing you know, you've got your Teddy Bluger. You've got your Brian Rust. You've got your Mark Donk and Buzz, Buzz Flibbits. Oh, they're going to be interesting. 
I got in a I got in a tussle with some Sharks fans. Um who were saying that the Sharks should trade down because there was the rumors that Montreal wanted to trade up to get a specific player. Montreal is one behind San Jose. What do you think you're gaining in that trade? For one first round position. Nothing. Well, you got to give up something, <laughs> right? Oh, I meant in terms of, of who they would be drafting, not in but terms what is, of what, like, uh, players what, or What do the Sharks gain games? in a trade for one position? Like a six-round pick? Fifth, <laughs> sixth, probably, right? I mean, you're. It's not like you're trading. It's not like you're trading from fourth to first, right? The coveted first, mm-hmm. or second, mm-hmm. the coveted second, or even third, the coveted. No, you're sitting literally in kind of the mushy middle of the cream of the crop, right? Everyone sort of agrees we're about ten or twelve players deep. You know, NHL sort of pretty much guaranteed lock. It sort of glides down the path from one, two, three, four. Five, and then it starts to slide off even more. And I said, if you're Mike Greer, you turn your phone off until the end of the first round. And everyone was like, what do you, th- thank God you're not our GM. Not everyone. There are a few people like, thank God you're not our GM. I'd take that into picks that are going to come with it. I'm like, picks? You think you're getting anything more than a pick? You mean a lottery ticket? Exactly. You think you're getting, you're not getting a second round for a swap like that. And if you are, then holy crap, does Montreal's GM need to be fired? Mm -hmm. You could push for a third, but good luck. You're it's a, it's a one position swap and you don't even need to make that trade for a sixth or fifth or seventh round pick. Uh, and oh yeah, but you can get quality players in the seventh round. Okay, stop hanging on to Joe Pavelski. Okay, let it go. Every <laughs> dog finds the sun at least once in its life. Okay, <laughs> even a blind squirrel finds a nut. Let it go. It's got to be worthwhile to me. Worthwhile is a second or a third. You're not going to get those. Let it go. You've done such a spectacular job in drafting in your history. Why would I trust you to to draft more now? Prove to me you can actually draft before you start worrying about, you know, how many times you get to draft. So does that mean Mike Greer is taking Mishkoff if Anaheim doesn't? I don't know. I would rather they go get a center like a yeah like will smith or leo carlson yeah. should and that's another reason i ball. don't want him to move you know montreal wants to move up so they can get you know the guy that they want to get well what if we want that guy <laughs> mm-hmm. well do what the yeah. nba teams did you do, i'm gonna <laughs> draft the player you want if you draft this player and throw something a little something at me okay we'll make the swap mm-hmm because honestly, all it does is benefit me. Like, I'm perfectly happy with this other guy, perhaps. 
You're also talking about San Jose, who well, doesn't develop uh, their draft picks. So does it really and, matter and where Cassie, they're it's at? Kind of, it's, not that they, <laughs> it's not only that they don't develop them, is they don't. They've never had a propensity to draft well anyway. You know, right. the, the old mantra is you should get at least one NHL, you should get at least one player that um, plays at the NHL level for five years out of every draft. Every draft you should be picking somewhere, doesn't matter what round, there should be one player that makes it to the NHL as a regular NHLer for at least five years. You know, to, yeah, 200, 220 games. games. Sharks have rarely done that. Out of every draft, sharks have rarely done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two hundred games is kind of my minimum for a really great player. It's it's four hundred. That hits that they played every game yeah. for you for for five seasons. You know the year total you're looking at, and the you know sharks have rarely, rarely, rarely done that. Hmm. And even when they do get them, they tend to let them go. You know, the the law firm of Barkley Goodrow is a prime example. I wasn't even going to get into Timo Meyer, but that's a whole different. That was a whole different scenario. But. <laughs> you know who else didn't let something go? Hmm? There's this player in the NHL who's apparently to his close friends known as a bit of a Grinch. But there was an NHL player who proposed over the weekend. (laughs) One Connor Andrew McDavid is engaged. This has been the 3v3 podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3v3 podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees. 